Thank you, Kristen, and thank you to the band. This is the fifth year in a row that the the band has come to help us from both coasts. They've come, Georgia and California this year, to help us to celebrate uh, Orphan Care Weekend. And we're grateful that they're here with us. They have CDs uh, that are in the uh, mall area on the way out at the Finally Home Foundation table. $10, all of that $10 goes to support Finally Home Foundation, which serves foster and adoptive families here in northern Colorado, so you can get those on on the way out. The movie clip that you saw is from a movie called Camp. Next Friday night, this coming Friday night, the 14th, I believe that is, we're having a movie night in the South Auditorium. It's free. It's a family movie, and we want you to come. And the popcorn is free, too. Cinemark Theaters has actually donated all the popcorn you guys can eat. And so come as a family. It's a great family movie. It is actually number two right now on the Netflix list for Christian uh, movies. And so it's a great movie. Teenagers would enjoy it, children, adults. So come bring it. uh, Come as a family. There's no cost. We'd love to have you this coming Friday night. 1985, a pastor named Wayne Tess started a fire in a church in Costa Mesa, California. God had fanned a flame in his heart as it pertained to abused kids. If you remember in the 80s, some of you, Uh, New local government systems had their hands full as domestic violence against children was more exposed perhaps than ever in in our history. Churches didn't really know what to do. They didn't have a plan to respond. This was really seen kind of as a crisis for social services and not the church's problem per se. Well, God allowed Wayne, by whispering in his ear and in his heart, to see things differently And he gained permission from local government there in California to refer kids who were caught in this horrific cycle of abuse and neglect to a week-long summer camp up in the mountains that was led by loving volunteers from his church. And I remember him saying a hundred, maybe a thousand times, we're just going to create positive memories for them and let God do the rest. The rest is kind of an amazing story because after five years of doing camp at this church, Wayne and his wife Diane launched out in faith and asked God to dump gas on this fire that they had started. And God answered that prayer. Be careful what you pray for. Since Royal Family Kids Camp in 1990 stepped out to partner with other churches around the world, over 95,000 kids have experienced a life-changing week at camp where they have been introduced to Jesus. Churches run over 200 camps now every summer in 38 states and 11 countries. This fire that uh, that, that started through Wayne is not just about camps. It gave churches all over our country an illustration of what God could do if we stepped into the broken world of abuse in our own communities and the broken lives of children who are victimized by it. Churches caring for orphans in our country and around the world is a movement that is gaining momentum now every year, and we are very much a part of that. Wayne, thank you for being here with us this morning, for inspiring us. Would you help me to welcome Wayne Tesh? I do love you. you. Well, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to be here in Colorado on the last warm weekend of the year. I brought it from California. Mark took a class from me at Vanguard University and um, he got an A+. He wanted me to tell you that, so I did. I hope that's okay. 
Well, it's truly a privilege to be here. I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary to children. I'm a missionary to children who are in the foster care system. Children who have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets. Children who hide under their beds in fear and whose nightmares are real. Children who have been beaten with two-by-fours, whipped with bicycle chains, and burned with cigarette butts. But for one week, in the Cathedral of the Outdoors, God's people helped to provide the place where the seeds of hope and healing can land in children's hearts and minds. That's why I'm here today, to encourage you to get involved with children. Be part of that 93% to help children who come from difficult places. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, my favorite passage of Scripture. I just love this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Hmm, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this before. You need to imagine with me now as we go through this story. There is a knock at the door, and there is a voice from within that said, Come on in! And their four friends walked in, and they said, Hey, friend, guess what? Jesus is in town. And where Jesus is, great things begin to happen. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, and the lame can walk. And we're going to take you to Jesus. They picked him up and they walked down those narrow streets of Capernaum. And they come to the house where Jesus is speaking. And it's packed with people. Packed with people. And they couldn't get in. Now, Mark, this isn't in Scripture, but I want you to know that I imagine they probably put down their friend outside. They went and had a little holy huddle, and they said, what are we going to do now? And one of them came up with a great idea. They said, why don't we take him up on the roof? So they come back, and they say, guess what, friend? We're going to take you up on the roof. He goes, the roof! I've, he's never been up there before. And what I love about coming to Colorado is that many of you live in two-story homes, and uh, you know what it's like to take a mattress to the second story. Uh, you know, there's a slight incline. 
Well, put a person on the mattress next time you move up into the second story. You get an idea of what's going on. It's a white-knuckle ride for this poor guy. He's just hanging on for dear life, wondering what these crazy friends of mine are going to do with me. He hangs on. They get up there, and this isn't in Scripture, but they probably had another holy huddle, and they said, what are we going to do now? And they said, hey, why don't we dig a hole through the roof? So Jesus is there preaching to these people, telling them about God's love. Pretty soon snow begins to descend on Jesus' head like dust. Pretty soon some great big dirt clogs come down. And Jesus being Jesus, he knows when they're coming, so he moves because he's not going to get hit. You know, he's got everything under control. The Jesus I serve has everything under control. And he's there. And uh, I've often wondered, I've often wondered, how big of a hole do you make in a roof to let a man come down through it? Does he come down vertically? Does he come down horizontally? They could have just dropped him. He was going to be healed anyways, but they didn't know that at the time. (laughs) So very carefully, very carefully, they lowered the mat the man was on. And he comes face to face with Jesus. And there's something special when you come into Jesus' presence. Faith begins to arise within your spirit. You know that something good is going to happen. You, you, you don't see what you, where you've been or, or what's happened in the past, in the present. You're there with Jesus. And when you come into Jesus' presence, great things begin to happen. And he said, my son, arise. Arise from your past. Arise from your pain. Arise from a mindset that has you so paralyzed that you cannot comprehend nor understand the goodness of Jesus. Arise. And I imagine that this man started to stand up, a little weak-kneed at first, as new blood started to flow to his extremities. And he stood up, probably with a grin on his face, for the first time in his life. And I've often imagined, if you were one of those four people up on the roof and you looked down and you saw your friend stand up, what would you do? I know what I'd do. I'd jump through the hole in the roof. I'd go up to my friend and give him a great big bear hug. Because when you experience a miracle, something great that has come from the Spirit of God, your life is changed and transformed. I would probably go up to Jesus and give him a high five and say, thank you, Jesus. And what, it, what is in Scripture, it was so packed with people. This guy picked up the stretcher. And I imagine he had a little New York strut as he just went on home feeling good that everything's great. Now, I've often wondered... This isn't in Scripture either, but I've often wondered, and I'm sure you have too, if you've had any camping background, you know you're supposed to leave the campsite better than you found it. I've often wondered, who fixed the hole in the roof? (laughs) I imagine the next day there was a knock at the door, and instead of a voice, a man walks, opens up the door. And instead of four men walking down those dusty Streets of Capernaum carrying a stretcher. There's now five that are walking down those streets. And instead of carrying that stretcher, they're carrying their toolkits. And instead of four men walking up those steps, there's five that ascend those stairs. And they're with fresh mud and palm fronds. 
they begin to repair that roof. There I believe that the man who was healed by Jesus said, I came through the roof, was healed by Jesus, signed his name and put the date. And someday some archaeologists just may find that. (laughs) Folks, there are three million reported cases of child abuse in America. One out of every three women come from a background of physical, mental, emotional, or sexual abuse. One out of six to seven men, the same. Ninety percent of men on death row have the thing that is a common factor within their lives is abuse. They're on death row. Ninety percent have had abuse in their back life. Eighty percent who are involved in sex trafficking in the United States, eighty percent come from the foster care system. They're lying on the stretcher, and they need the church of Jesus Christ to grab a handle and take them to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, your mind is renewed, your heart is restored, you become a new person in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. And what happens is that it's like driving down 25, I-25, heading south to Denver. As you're driving, if you become fixated on the past, and you're all the time looking to the past of what happened to your life, and you're looking back there and saying, well, I can't do this because I, don't do, I haven't had this opportunity, or I haven't had that. If this wouldn't have happened to me. I could have done, and, and you look in the past. Christ doesn't want you to live in the past. He wants you to be able to glance at it and say, I remember when, but praise God, I'm healed. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans for good, not evil. Plans that will give you a hope and a future. And as you're driving your car, you're, if you look in the, in the rearview mirror, all the time you're going to end up on the side of the road having an accident. But if you're, be, if you're able to comprehend that God has called you, It doesn't matter what your past was. Everything is taken care of. The debt's been paid. All you have to do is follow after Jesus. Jesus will take you to places you've never thought you could go. Jesus will give you hope and strength and courage and will give you a a compassion. As one person said, the compassion chamber of your heart will begin to explode when you come to Jesus. That's what happens when when you're involved with Jesus. Royal Family started 1985 in the last century. And um, I remember this one little boy that came to Grandpa and said, because every camp has a Grandpa and Grandma. Every camp has an aunt and an uncle. We have one adult for two kids. When we tried three, one, a ratio of one to three, you know, it was really kind of awkward. But, well, one to two, we have Velcro kids that just hang on to you, and we have other kids that don't want you to touch them at all. So a one to two ratio. And this one little boy came to Grandpa and said, Grandpa, how much are they paying you to be here? (laughs) Think of that. So Grandpa said, well, why? Why would you ask that question? The little boy said, everybody who says they love me gets paid. My foster parent, 
To which I say, they don't do it for the money. There's a calling there, as Mark alluded to. My counselor, my social worker, everybody who says they care about me gets paid. How much are they paying you? And I'll never forget this moment. As I saw Grandpa kneel down, reach into his wallet, pull out family picture of all his grandchildren. He had seven of them. And he said, son, I could be spending time with my grandchildren. I'm volunteering a week of my vacation to be here with you because God said you're important to me. It's amazing the stories that happen. had one little boy come up to me in Michigan. I was walking in the campus and he came running up to me. He goes, hey, I want to say Jesus and I, we have a lot in common. Now, I've been around for a long time. Uh, And I've never heard a kid ever say, hey, me and Jesus, we have a lot in common. I got down on one knee. I said, hmm, what is that? He looked at me and said, we both have foster dads by the name of Joseph. (laughs) That was the seed. That was the seed that God used for me to go through a study in Scripture. If you ever want to do a Bible study that's exciting, do a Bible study of children who have been raised in homes other than their own. I come from a background where, you know, we've been, my parents were married 53 years. My uh, uh, wife's parents were married 60 years. Diane and I, we've been married uh, 94 years, 47 for her, 47 for me. So I come from... I come from what it is for a marriage to be, you know, three children. I grew up in a, in a great home. But when he said that to me, I started to look in Scripture. Found out that Moses was the first recorded adoption in history. And what I think is so crazy about that is where an Arab adopts a Jew. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then you find that uh, Samuel, Hannah brought Samuel to Eli. And Eli was one of the worst fathers there was. As a, his two sons were the teen terror temp, uh, people of, te, of the temple. They were just teen terrible people. And yet, in spite of all this, Eli wouldn't have been able to become a foster parent today because he didn't have the right criteria. But God put Samuel in that environment. And out of that environment, God protected and saved Samuel to do something great for the kingdom of God. You look at Esther. When her parents passed away, was raised by her uncle, who came to the kingdom for such a time as this. You look at Meshibabeth, special needs, where he was able to eat at the king's table. You look at Timothy, who was raised by his mother and grandmother. You see there's different forms of family. And when you're involved with foster care and kids who come from the difficult backgrounds, you recognize that. Psalm 40, 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet upon a rock. He established our goings. And He put within my heart a new song. One week at Royal Family, 
we are able to share with kids a new song that they can sing. They don't have to always look in the back and in the past, but they can see that there are people that care and support and are willing to help. That's what the church of Jesus Christ can do. You can become stretcher bearers to make a difference. 1985, I received a phone call from the head of uh, Orange County Mental Health Unit and said, I understand you're doing a camp for kids. Is there a way that um, you could take one more? I said, well, tell me a story. He said, well, he's in a padded cell right now. He's seven years old. And he has attempted suicide three times. When he was in December, he was singing Christmas carols at a resident facility. And a man who was an evil man enticed this little boy to come into his room. And after 45 minutes of doing all sorts of horrific, horrendous things on this little boy's body, opened the window of his first floor room and tossed Jonathan out the window. Jonathan was so traumatized he could not cry. Meandering through the garden area, bloody, battered, broken child. Sunday school teacher took him to the hospital and between December and June attempted suicide three times. The guy said to me, the head psychiatrist said to me, he said, what this kid really needs is to be in a place where the wind can blow through his hair where the sun can come on his face, where he can smell the smells of the forest. He needs to be in a different environment, surrounded by other people besides us. He came to camp, and it was 24-hour surveillance on him. Cindy, you remember this. You were there. And what was so interesting was we were wondering, is anything going through this little boy? Are are we making a difference in this kid's life? And um, he would say, Pastor Tesh, could you um, check the restroom to make sure everything's okay? And I would go in and check and come out and announce to him, hey, it's all yours, Jonathan. He said, would you stand guard, not let anyone else come in. I said, I'd do that. He never took a shower the whole week. Highly medicated. Wondering, are we going to make a difference in this kid's life? And um, he came back his second and third year. We take children ages 7 to 11. They have a divine appointment from heaven. We say that because it's preachable. 7 to 11, a divine appointment from heaven. But being a pastor... I also know that there's many of you out there that would say, especially moms whose child is five, they would say, you know, I have a five-year-old. Could he come to camp? Or I have a six-year-old. Could they come to camp? Because you always want to put, it's, or I have an immature 13-year-old or a 12-year-old. Could they come to camp? But we really take six to 12, but that doesn't preach very well. 7 to 11, a divine appointment from heaven. You know, it's there. Uh, but So we take 6 to 12. Jonathan was 12 when he came back. But when he was 9, when he was 9, he, he came with his mother to the church. And um, they pull into the driveway, into the parking lot, and I, 
I saw him get out of the car and I yelled to him, Jonathan! Jonathan! He sees me. And he comes running towards me. And I'm down on one knee. I open up my arms and he falls into him and I just hug him. I put him back and I said, oh, Jonathan, something that has happened to you. I can see it in your eyes. Your eyes are dancing. There's a smile on your face. Uh, you're, there's a, a, a dance to your step. Things have happened. What, what took place? And I'll never forget. He looked down at me and he said, you remember the guy that did all those bad things to me? I looked up and said, yeah. He said, well, I've forgiven them. It was then that I realized a little child shall lead them. And I realized that there was some unforgiveness in my life. And those are the things. And if you come from a background of abuse, the perpetrator will never come and say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. That that doesn't happen. There may be an outlier once in a while where that happens, but most of them will never come. You've got to be like Jesus. And when you understand that, Jesus begins to work in your life. You take the role of Christ. When you're able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you can come to that understanding, forgiveness is the key that unlocks all that past, and Jesus takes it away. And you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not defined by your past. You're defined as how Christ sees you high and lifted up. You are a king and you are a queen. Jesus has a way of seeing you at your very brokenness and your depths. And when you can say, Father, forgive them, I know not what they do, then all of a sudden you begin to understand anger. God takes that anger away a little at a time. He he begins to do a healing in your life bit by bit and you become the person that God wants you to be. When he was 12, he came back to camp. And his counselor said, what, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And his typical response in Orange County, California was, I want to make lots of money. And uh, the counselor pressed a little bit more and said, tell me, um, what do you want to do then? What do you want to do with all this money? He said, I want to buy Royal Family Kids Camp. You want to buy royal family. Why is that? Because I want other children to experience what I've experienced. And for one week in the cathedral of these beautiful mountains, you can become a stretcher bearer. You can make a difference. And one thing I know about a stretcher bearer, that someday you and I are going to be on that stretcher. Whether it's through death, divorce, discouragement, drugs, depression, disability, you and I are going to be on that stretcher. And if you don't have a small group or some of God's people surrounding you, they will take you to Jesus in prayer. They'll take you and help you and, and assist you. And when that begins to happen, you become a stretcher bearer for Jesus. You and I will eventually be on the stretcher. And we need God's people to take us to Jesus. People say, Wayne does a... Um, Week really make a difference. And I say to you, it's not about a week. It's not about a month. It's not about a year. It's not about a decade. It's about a moment. 
A moment when heaven connects with the heart of a child. In that moment, when we've experienced that moment. We understand what that moment is. We've all had a moment when Christ has touched our lives. We become a new person in Christ Jesus. I'd like to have you watch a video that will show you that a moment, a week of camp, can make a huge difference in the trajectory of a child's life. Three sisters. We heard a knock on the door. It was the police, and my dad started yelling, and my mom started crying. The scariest part was when they couldn't tell us what was happening, but they were taking us in their cars. They wouldn't let us talk to our mom and dad. They just took us. We did that a lot. That's the last time we get to see them is when they put them in a car and leave. first time I remember the, the girls coming to camp, bouncing off the bus, full of energy, full of smiles. They just ate up every part of camp. They loved the chapel. They loved singing, doing all the, the motions, the fishing. They just had a good time. When the girls came to camp, they found peace. They found love. They found a comfort, something that they hadn't experienced before. They connected with Jerry, my husband, just as soon as they got off the bus, and they just pretty much stole his heart. Well, I never thought about the abuse and the neglect until I went to camp. After spending a week with them, I just, just couldn't let them go back. We just knew we had to do something to, to try to prevent them having to live that life in, in the system. The judge allowed them to come live with us. It was a big day in our lives and theirs. I know there's going to be struggles, but they have hope now to have a normal life. Sometimes when I'm in bed or something alone and it's quiet, I think about how it worked out. It kind of feels like we were like meant to be here. I think if God wasn't watching out for us, we would have never ended up here. camper you don't really understand everything that these people give up to work here but I do now and I think I appreciate it more now. Seeing them here this week running and smiling and happy it's almost like they've made it and we know that we're going to be okay now. This camp I think it did save those girls lives. I think it opened up a door for them and they can trust people and that people can love them unconditionally. I probably would have never trusted anyone, never loved anybody because I didn't know how. Every child that is in the foster care system needs an opportunity to be able to come to this camp and experience, if for no other reason, the love. Just a drop in the bucket, you know, with just three kids, but if everyone felt the same way. We could make such a big difference in society. These three lives were turned around and they have hope. The abuse, the cycle has been stopped. Honestly, I can't think of life without them now. I wouldn't change it for the world.
I think I'm allergic to that video. Every time I see it, my eyes get watering for some reason. Never had that happen. Wayne, thanks for being here with us this weekend. Thank you. Thanks for sharing us what God's doing through a royal family. And most of all, thanks for being faithful to the call that God put on your life. It's not just a week at camp. It's moments and memories in the hands of a God who cares for these children. That takes these moments and these memories and turns them into a movement of faith, healing, and redemption in the lives of neglected and abused children as only he can do. And God is gathering some of his people here in northern Colorado in Timberline Church to create a movement to bring Royal Family Kids Camp here. A growing group of us here at Timberline have stacked hands and said that we're all in to fulfill what we believe is a God-given, God-sized vision that in four years from now, every child in the foster care system in northern Colorado will have the opportunity to spend a week at a camp like this paired with a Christian member, mentor. mentor. And as only God can do, he's pulling the pieces together, the people, and Timberline is positioned to be a catalyst in this movement. A team is already connecting with other churches, inviting them to be a part of hosting Royal Family Kids Camps. Some friends of in our Timberline family own and operate a camp just 50 miles from here in the mountains, a beautiful property, and that camp is being reconstructed specifically to host foster kids like these, and in particular, royal family kids camps. A leadership team is formed here at Timberline Church that will train this summer, led by Pastor Daryl Haley and his wife Dion, so that in the summer of 2016, Timberline Church will host its first ever Royal Family Kid Camp in Northern Colorado. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be there every step of the way up until we start that camp because Mark Orphan invited me to go see one of these camps this summer. And in 90 minutes of being at that camp, I was all in. And I'd like to invite you to be all in with me, all in with us. If you sense God is inviting you to be a part of this movement and a part of the 2016 camp, I want to extend an invitation for you to jump all in today, and you can do that in two easy ways. The first one's simple. Change how you exit the building today. See, wasn't that easy? You just head out those doors instead of the way you normally go out. You go into the mall. You stop by the Royal Family Kids Camp table. You meet Wayne, and you meet our other partners that are here locally that work with uh, abused, neglected kids, and you get to know them. And you sign up to volunteer so that you can use your gifts to be a part of what God's doing with children like these. The second, you'll participate in just, in just one minute, and that's when we take our annual Orphan Care Special Offering. We as a church have been obedient to God's mandate for His people to care for the needs of fatherless, abused, and neglected children by being extremely generous every year that we've taken this offering. 
And because of this offering, doors, offering, doors have opened up in our community and provide opportunities for God's people to be the leaders caring for foster kids, orphaned kids, fatherless kids. Today's offering is going to continue to support the partnerships we already have locally and globally, like our partnership with an orphanage in Guatemala. But part of the offering today is going to start a scholarship fund for foster kids to attend the 2016 Royal Family Kids Camp. The Community Foundation of Northern Colorado is going to hold those funds. In fact, they've said not only that, that they're going to approach other Christian donors, Christian foundations, and they're going to multiply the fund that we start here today. I'm humbled to be a part of a church that's so generous with its time, talents, and treasures. And I'm also honored to invite you to jump all in and participate in God's work, especially when it's to fulfill his desire to bring hope and healing to children whose dreams and lives have been shattered by abuse and neglect. Ushers, if you wouldn't mind coming down, we'll take the special offering. Let me pray. Jesus, thanks for your love for us. Thank you for your call to invite us to join your kingdom work. Help us to respond, to meet the needs of the fatherless, the abused, the neglected children of our community, that they might know that they are loved and that they have purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to join us outside in the mall. Our prayer team will be up here. They'd love to pray with you and for you. And as Pastor Derry always reminds us, the service starts now.